The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. And welcome to a Friday. It's Friday. Thank goodness it's Friday. TGIF, I think, is the appropriate way to say it. And and uh, we've got a great show for you today. We've got a wonderful author, and she's got a very timely book out. And we're going to talk a great deal about that. And uh, we might even slip in a little politics, not politics, but economics a little bit. But uh, Nathan, how are you today, sir? Good afternoon, Kevin. And I wish I could go to a TGI Fridays right now, but we don't have those over here. So the best way to do it is spend it. Oops. Spend it on positive talk radio. I don't think I've ever done that before. Hit the mic and send it flying. (laughs) He's excited to be here. I can tell. And uh, uh, no, TGI Fridays is everywhere in the world except for here. So I don't know why that is, but in the South and in the Midwest, they are all over the place. And uh, I, I think there are even some in St. Louis. And uh, um, and I, I'll ask Leah Rachel, who is our guest today, but but uh, um, she is um, a professor at at a university in st louis and she also is a professor of economics she's also an author she's got a couple of books uh by the way uh, nathan i i i love the idea now the, not this book but the bo- book before that was the i think it's the uh um the other shakespeare and it, it's, it's a great novel about what would have happened if shakespeare was a woman Got an opinion? <laughs> Just trying to think of all the, you know, fancy old English words that'll come out. Thy could not has has been the female gender of the persuasion because they were in the kitchen cooking. <laughs> So, so, so anyway, she wrote that book, but she's also got a very timely book out, and and it's a it's a novel, but it's kind of a personal novel. So, uh, Leah, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for having me. And let me just say that actually, TGI they are in St. Louis, and it is actually my husband's favorite restaurant. And so you just now made it clear that we can never move to Seattle. I'm sad to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's all right. If you look at traffic, there's enough of us here already. So if you really like TGI Fridays, move to St. Louis. Yeah, or open yeah, one that's... here. We were talking about economics, so it might be a good economic opportunity. Open up TGI Fridays here. Exactly. It's Friday, and that means that the stock market is open, and uh, we have a professor of economics here, so I have to touch on it a little bit, because the stock market, sadly, is going down, 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 down. Why? 
Well, so um, let me say I prefer to talk about Shakespeare, if that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, I am a professor of economics, but as I say to many people, I actually don't focus on the stock market. I'm an environmental economist, so I can tell you a lot about pollution and clean water and energy resources. In general, I mean, I, I guess I know a little bit more about the stock market because, uh, you know, I took some of those classes. I would say that um, everybody's freaking out and a lot of times fear and uncertainty, those are the two big factors that can lead to volatility in stock markets going crazy. And I would say we've got both of those right now. People are uncertain what the Fed exactly is going to do, how far they're going to have to raise rates. And they're fearful that means unemployment's going to go up and we're just at a precipice of not really knowing what's happening and it's showing itself and all that down, down, down. So I've been, I've been, I've been told that uh, just behave yourself and, and don't panic because it, whatever go, whenever it goes down, it always comes back up. Yeah. Hopefully you've got enough time. Hopefully, you know, whatever money you have in the stock market isn't money you need to pay rent next month. Um, and it's more money that you know you've set aside for retirement or whatnot. So you so hopefully you can wait it out. That really is the best thing to do is not freak out and not try to move things around. Just wait it out. That's true. That's all that's really is all you can do. So uh, um, so but let's talk about your book and the things that you've written because this is this is a really timely book. And give us give us an outline of it if you would. Well Thank you. So um, my latest book is called Seeking Forgiveness, um, and it's a semi-autobiographical narrative memoir. So it's a little confusing because you hear memoir and you think it's going to be nonfiction, but I did make it fiction. What, what it's about um, is about interracial adoption. So I'm a white woman. I adopted a black son. I had no idea what the I was doing. Um, and so the book is about that, but what I did was I had to make parts of it fiction to protect my son and the privacy of my son. So while it's very much based on our life and there's a lot of vignettes um, about uh, the mother's perspective of adopting and having an interracial family. Um, so a lot of it did actually happen and that, you know, those parts are nonfiction, but the, you know, the backstory of my son, his birth family, his history, that's his story to tell. And one day, maybe, I mean, he's sort of into this book and he's been coming home a few times since school started telling me he wants to be a writer. So my dream is give him a few years, he'll write his side of the story and you can get the full picture. But um, my, my book, Seeking Forgiveness, is only semi-autobiographical, but it's all about motherhood, interracial adoption, and trying to figure out how to do that in today's society. You know... In talking with you previously, and we we had a, a couple of conversations, and uh, I was struck by the fact that you know if you haven't gone, if you if you haven't done that, if you haven't felt like and gone and ad adopted somebody that's another you know an, another race with from another culture and all of that, you might think that uh, you that what's the big deal? It's like yeah. you, the, you know he's born in America, he's he's yeah. an American and 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 stuff like that, but. Um, by way of illustration, tell us about your trip to the dentist. Yeah, so there's a lot of, you know, shocking, surprising, eye-opening sort of stories in the book. But one of them is the first time, this is a true story, the first time I took my son to the dentist. So he was about five years old at the time, and it was time to get his first teeth cleaning. So I got the name of a pediatric dentist from a friend. 
we went, we showed up, we walk in and the receptionist behind the counter, she sort of slides the glass partition open and looks at us funny and then slides it shut and goes away. She comes back a few minutes later and she looks us up and down and she says, okay, well, I need your papers. And I like, uh, you mean my insurance card? Here's his insurance card. Here's my insurance card. She's like, no, no, no. And she like pushes them at me. No, I need your papers. And I said, I'm sorry. I really honestly don't know what you're talking about. And she said, to see the boy, I need proof from his guardian or parent that uh, we can treat him because we can't treat him with proof without proof that his legal guardian says it's okay. And I'm like, I'm his mother, I made the appointment. And she's like, well, unless you can prove you're his mother, we, we can't treat him. Well, who brings guardian or adoption or birth certificates to a dentist appointment? Nobody does that. So of course I didn't have them and didn't know what to do and we had to leave. And so we go in the car and I'm buckling my son into his seat and he's like, where's my lollipop? Because I told him that you'd get lollipops at the dentist. And I'm like, well, go get some at the pharmacy. Just, you know, hold on. And then I get in my seat and I put the car in reverse to back out of the parking spot. And I look over my seat and I make eye contact with my son. And he says to me, he says, mom, did we have to leave because I'm black? And I said to my son, no, we had to leave because mommy's white. And I did that on purpose because I have been working all of these years to make sure he does not blame himself for all of the things that he faces in society. Because that's the natural, seems to be inclination for him to blame himself for these things. And it's been tough to make sure he doesn't internalize it like that. So if you've, if you've thought about having a, uh, adopting a child and I highly recommend it, I think it's a really good thing. It takes a long time to be able to do it. Yeah. You're telling me that it took you like a year and a half. You had classes you had to take and, and yeah. had, had a bunch of stuff you had to sign and prove that you were a good person and all that stuff. But if you, if you are going down that road and decide you want to go do that, what are the challenges that, uh, that, uh, adopting, yeah. Um, a, a black child would have yeah. that you wouldn't even think about. Yeah. Well, no, that's a really good point. Cause I mean, so when my husband and I entered the whole foster system and taking the classes and whatnot, you know, this, this was before Michael Brown, before George Floyd, before, you know, the term white privilege was really common parlance. And I'll admit, um, I certainly knew that uh, there would be issues and I would have to make the effort to sort of understand other cultures and, um, you know, look out for him. But in all honesty, I as well did not realize um, all of the different complexities and all the different things that would happen. And it started actually in the classes we took. So um, the, and I, I believe foster systems are run per state. So it's probably different in every state, but you know, in Missouri, they, uh, some of the classes they made you take, it did come up. Uh, and we did learn that there are people who don't believe in interracial adoption and that if they, you know, could, make the decision, they would not allow us as white parents to adopt black children. And I remember the first time I heard that was in these foster classes and I was shocked a little bit, like, I mean, not even allowed, like, um, and now I've come to understand it. Uh, I think the idea is that if you want to adopt cross-culturally, cross-racially, there is a burden on you to make sure you learn about the other culture and not just take the child and sort of make them just, you know, only be around your culture. So I think interracial adoption is okay and very rewarding and um, something, you know, I encourage people to do, but at the same time, uh, I now get it that it's not easy and it, and it does require a level of effort to be made, you know, make sure you have friends in the other uh, culture or race, you know, make sure you have books, 
arts and art and music. I mean, I literally, I was taught, I had a different interview yesterday and I was tell, telling her how like I had, I had asked friends for more recommendations on like hip hop artists that like aren't just the big names <laughs> um, so that I could hear more and learn more. I mean, I, you know, literally had to just ask and, you know, find out about things. That would be really, that would be really, really difficult. Um, especially if it's a hip-hop artist i couldn't even uh, and nathan i'm sure knows um some hip-hop artist names oh he doesn't either (laughs) not my genre to be honest i couldn't if you you know uh run dmc i i don't know if that's even a guy i mean i felt like you know i could have named like kanye and drake and maybe eminem like some big names but then you know not not other names, you know, not um, more common things. And like, I have, a, I have a favorite right now, NF, although my son doesn't think NF is as hip hoppy as it should be, but whatever. Um, but yeah, so I had to learn. I mean, I'm not surprised. I had to learn myself. And did you say NF? Yeah. I, th- I hope that last word isn't what I think it is. No, no, no. It's just the letters. NF. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I I don't know. I I hear hip hop music, and they they use a lot of uh, uh, grammar that I don't think that we can say on the radio. Yes, and actually, that is an issue with my son now. You know, he's twelve, and so he's really he got his very first phone uh, at twelve, uh, and so he's only had it a few months now. Um, and yeah, he he's he's synced at Bluetooth to my car, so whenever in my car, he now gets to be in charge of the radio through his phone. Um, and I have to say that um, half the time I make him turn it off because the language is too bad. It's not that I don't like the music. And then we argue because I tell him, I'm like, it's not the music, it's the language is so bad. <laughs> I, years ago, I did a music show on KKNW and it was late at night. And uh, there was a hip hop artist and, and uh, he sent the CD and, and the board operator at the time played the CD. I didn't even understand what the guy was saying. And yeah. he said, nope, you can't play that. Nope, you can't play that. <laughs> Nope, nope, can't play that at all, and and so it was really a, a bizarre thing for me to you know to it's a real cultural difference and yeah. you know although although kids kids today uh, they seem to like hip hop and it doesn't matter what their racial makeup is they tend yeah. to like it. I I agree. I mean, when my son has play dates and he has both white and black friends whatever the friends are, um, they all seem to be listening to the same music. And, and I have to say, he's only 12, my son's very extroverted. He's already uh, gone to two concerts. Um, and, and the first one, he was invited by a white friend and the white friend's dad was the one who, you know, chaperoned them. Um, but uh, um, I'm trying to remember now, Lil Tecca, Lil Tecca is who we went to see a concert for. But so yeah, it was white friends who took them. Um, yeah, they all are liking this music that we old people learn trying to figure out and and we're we're not even sure it's music quite frankly um but that's that's just me and i it's because i grew up in the land of the beatles and 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 led zeppelin and and the rolling stones and those guys but that's i digress um i like to call it talking in rhythm there you go there you go but i did want to ask you as well because you are an educator and you have run into this, I know, and, and I think you talk about it in your book a little bit, the differences in educational opportunities for predominantly black schools yeah. versus predominantly white schools. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that, that was another thing that, again, really before I actually had to face it, I didn't understand. And, um, you know, part of the reason I wrote this book is because I would tell these stories to 
friends or relatives and they'd be like, oh my God, I didn't know that. And you know, so many people have asked me questions about our lives. So it's sort of like in this book now, but um, you know, what ended up happening was right before my son turned five and you know, he, he needed to, I needed to enroll him in a kindergarten somewhere. Um, I looked around at the schools and uh, you know, I was trying to find a majority African-American school that was also top ranked academically. And what I didn't realize is how hard that is to find, to find both of those together. Um, and I went to some of my black mother friends um, and I asked them what they were doing, what schools they were in. Cause we, you know, we had a group of um, uh, actually black boys that um, in preschool, pre-K and uh, that we'd get together to read and have them read. And so I asked a bunch of these moms and, and they were like, well, this is a tough decision we all have to face. And one mom said to me, well, you know, I'm moving and we're going to an all white district, you know, top of the line school. And we're doing that because, you know, my son's gonna be a doctor or a lawyer. So, you know, I, he needs to just get used to being the only black kid in the room. So I'm okay with sending him to a school that's all white. He'll come home and, you know, we'll give him the culture we need. Well, I remember thinking that sounds good, but I, I can't do that because I'm white. If I send him to an all white school, he comes home to white family, like how out of place will he feel? So we did end up choosing a school district that it wasn't majority black, but it was definitely diverse. I mean, I remember over the summer going to the pool and the park in the area and loved how diverse it was. Um, and it wasn't a bad academically arranged school, but it wasn't top either. Um, and so, you know, we had to make that choice. That's where we started off. We didn't actually stay there, but, but it's a really tough decision. I think, you know, especially for interracial families when you, and again, if you're going to adopt interracially, you should be aware um, and not just, you know, send the kid to the local school that's near you if it's all white and not think about it. You have to make a conscious decision between sort of really high ranked academics or, or a little bit less and where will they feel out of place? You know, are they the kind of kid that can handle it or not? I mean, these are tough things that unfortunately society makes us face. By the way, uh, ooh, what is that? What is going on there, Nathan? Just a little echo. It's fine. It'll go away after like half a second. Okay. <laughs> and we're talking about Leah Rachel and she's written the book seeking forgiveness and you can go to her website which is leahrachel.com and it's l-e-a-r-a-c-h-e-l.com you can get a look at the book it's out now is it not um actually well you can um pre-order an ebook version of it now but the uh book actually comes out october 18th so october 18th very cool. So that's coming right up. So on October 18th, you can go to Amazon and all the major places and you'll be able to get it there um, as well. I, I would think. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It should be uh, yeah, at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all those kinds of places. Awesome. And I think it's going to do really, really well. Now, if you are in our audience and you have got a story of if you are in a um, blended, what I like to call a blended family. Uh, you know, I, because it's, you know, we're, we're all, we're all humans. We're all the same. And we, whatever pigment our skin is, we have no control over. We only have control over how we act and who we are. Uh, but if you've got, if you've got a blended family and you would like to comment on our conversation today or add to the conversation, then you would be, I would be more than happy to take your call. Um, and uh, Nathan's going to give you the numbers. Our numbers to call into the show are 425-373-5527 or toll free at 
five five six nine. Again, four two five three seven three five five two seven or one eight 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 two nine eight five five six nine. Call us with your questions. Yes, indeed. If you if you would like to talk to uh, uh, Leah about about her experience, that would that would just be awesome because it is it is quite a unique thing. Now there are other Leah. There are other cultural differences um, that you had that you found out through the course of time uh, that that, they just kind of came up. Can you talk about a few of them? Yeah. So, you know, I I do like to say um, that the the book is uh, very much just about motherhood and about adoption in general. It doesn't have to be interracial adoption. You know, one of the um, other issues that came up for us that was a memorable story had to do with religion, actually. Um, So uh, my so when my son was about one year old, he was just having his one year birthday, a really good friend of mine, like that I grew up with, uh, we went to college together. She flew in um, to come to his birthday party. And we were talking one day and I, you know, happened to say something about buying Hanukkah presents. My father was actually Roman Catholic, but my mother was Jewish. We celebrated Hanukkah. I mean, very relaxed atmosphere in my house, but we like Hanukkah. Who doesn't like eight nights of presents? Exactly. <laughs> and, and so, but I mentioned Hanukkah and, and this friend of mine, and again, a close friend, she said, wait, wait, wait. she said, you're raising your son Jewish. And she said, wasn't his birth mother Christian because his birth mother had left a Bible for him in the hospital. And I, and I said, well, yeah, his birth mother was Christian. And she said, well, then you have to raise him Christian. You can't raise him Jewish. And I remember I was just so taken aback, like, one, I didn't understand how that was supposed to work, how I was supposed to raise a child of mine in a religion that I wasn't. Um, but two, it made me realize how other people view us very differently than I, like I see adoption as permanent, as, you know, as identical to flesh and blood birth giving as you can get. I mean, there's no going back. He's my family. He's like, you know, mine and integrated into our family as much as possible. I mean, my point being, if you can't imagine yourself saying to another family that is a birth family, why don't you raise a kid a different religion, then you you shouldn't think that's appropriate to say to me. And this was a close friend. So uh, it was just another one of those, you know, people can, you can know going in that um, adoption is a little more complex, but, and I'm sure other adoptive families out there have stories like this as well but it's, it's just shocking when it happens we you know i was just thinking about that and uh, um there was a famous guy a famous comedian and uh an actor his name is sammy davis jr mm-hmm. uh, now if you're not of a certain age you have no idea who sammy davis jr was oh, no, Nathan, that's so sad. You, i know is it sad <laughs> nathan do you have any idea who samus davis sammy davis jr was just a little bit i mean familiar with the name but like as far as the song he wrote i can't really tell you fantastic artist though Candyman. anyway i i, I digress <laughs> and and he so but he was he was jewish and was was so it's not like it's not culturally acceptable to be a Jewish individual. It has more to do with, and, and the, I could just see you walking in to a, a Christian church and them saying, welcome, how are you? And I, well, hi, I'm fine, I'm Jewish. And they, they say, oh, we're gonna convert you, um, you know. So I don't know how you would do that with a, with a, with a child. Yeah, I, it was just weird. And yeah, I do realize that like you're saying there aren't very many, uh, or it doesn't seem like there's very many African Americans that are Jewish, but I've since learned, I mean, they're Jews of color. And, um, and, you know, like the, the, the brother on the blackish show, he was in the original Hamilton cast, you know, he's Jewish. 
and um oh my god oh tiffany haddish she just had her own bat mitzvah like so i mean every time there's a jew of color that does something jewish like eh, my son and i are on it <laughs> <laughs> well you know and, and it's great and your son is doing well mm -hmm. he, he's uh he's older than five now so i'm not gonna say how old he is because that's that's for him to say when he turns As a matter of fact when he one of these days in, in five or six or ten years from now i'd love to have him on to talk about about his story and and what's going on with him you know i sometimes um i i tell him after i have interviews that like oh you know some you know one day people are going to want to meet you maybe or you know have you on and and he's in a phase where he likes to tell jokes and like prank and stuff and he's like oh can i tell jokes tonight like he, he won't want to talk about the book or anything like that he'll want to try to tell you really bad jokes like <laughs> I can I can understand that we, we you know at at that age that's what they do that's what they do and uh it, it's really great uh by the way again we're talking with Leah Rachel and you can give us a call uh, and talk to her about she's raising a well she's adopted an african-american boy and uh so there are challenges that go along with that but i think as we continue on down our evolution evolutionary path that that's going to become more and more and blended families are more and more happening all the time in fact when we come back i'm going to take a little break when we come back i'm going to ask you about the talk no, not that talk, the other talk that only parents of an African-American boy seem to have to have. And so we'll, so I want you to stew on that for a minute and a half, and we'll be right back. You're listening to KKNW 1150 AM, and this is Positive Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. Do you believe in the combination when you want of to say brain more work than words communicate? You can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. Now through New Year's Eve, here's your exclusive bonus for being our appreciated listener. Type in promo code Positive Talk Radio at checkout to receive $20 off your order. Our gift to you for being here with us today. anaturaldesign.com. My name is Kevin McDonald, and I created Positive Talk Radio on KKNW 1150 AM. And if you like what we're doing here, evolving ideas one conversation at a time, we have so much more to offer you on PositiveTalkRadio.net. Over 160 podcasts and growing. Great positive guests and many thoughts and ideas designed to help you and your family live life just a little bit better. You can even contribute to our work by becoming a member and receiving lots of cool stuff. Please check it out. I created PTR because now's the time for positive change and nothing else matters. Again, visit PositiveTalkRadio.net and thanks for listening. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Positive Talk Radio. It's Friday. It's Friday. And we've got a great author with us today. He's got a great story. Her name is Leah Rachel, and the name of the book is Seeking Forgiveness. It comes out in the middle of October, but we get it. We get to have her talk about it first. And it's, it's, it's really cool. And uh, I teased it prior to the break, and so I guess we need to talk about it now. But, but when did you discover that 
there was going to be an additional talk that you need to have with your son at one point. And not, I'm not talking about the birds and the bees. <laughs> I'm talking about the other one. Yeah. Well, let me just say that that is a great question. And again, that is the kind of question that I get from people who are really curious about interracial adoption. I get questions about taking care of my son's hair and about the talk and about school and religion, some of the other things we talked about. So again, if, you know, if you're one of those people who has any questions on some of these issues, the book really is a good way to read up on all of these issues. But focusing on your question, the talk, and how black boys need to behave in front of the police. So this is extremely important. It's something you must talk to your son about and probably earlier than certainly white mothers, especially maybe think. I mean, uh, the, the idea is, you know, you still see your son as young and uh, like a baby and cute when to society, he's getting older and bigger all the time. So initially my feeling was to sort of let it organically come up and i'll let you know that you know we from the time he was very young five six seven we would watch the news and and you know there's a sort of famous incident here in st louis where just a mile from our house uh at an ihop a bunch of high school boys had lunch or dinner i think it was and they left and the and the police immediately arrested them for not paying, even though they did, and they just couldn't find the receipt. And it was, you know, and it, so my son and I were watching it and it came up. So one, the first thing is, anything that comes up organically, I will talk to my son about. But I will say, I did notice in some of these early talks that my son would sort of listen, but I couldn't tell if he was taking me seriously. I mean, he was a little too young for eye rolls, but I wasn't sure he took me seriously. So <laughs> I, I literally, and this is where I say, you know, it really is important to sort of make the effort and, and make friends cross-culturally. I went to a good black male friend of mine and I said, you know what, my son needs the talk, but he needs it from a black man. Um, he needs it to see it from somebody who can say, this happened to me. And this is, you know, how I react when I get stopped by the police. And so um, I actually enlisted help. <laughs> And, and had somebody else talk to him besides just myself. And we continue to talk about it every time it comes up, which sadly it still does periodically. Was he um, aware of, of George Floyd and what happened with him? And did he actually see it on TV? He, he did not watch like the nine minute video or anything like that. But when, when protests happened, we went to one together. Yes. Um, I actually have a beautiful photo somebody else took of my son. You know, we, we walked the protest we went to, I don't remember, two, three miles, whatever it was. But at the very end, when we got there, you know, everybody knelt down and, you know, raised their arm. And somebody took a great photo of my son with his My Life Matters sign in front of him in that pose. And it's just a gorgeous photo. I've got it enlarged, like on our wall now. Um, so, I took him to these things. I, I, and again, he was young though. And so he went and he's like aware, it was so hard to know with children, how much they're really processing, how much they're just going along. Cause you're like, come on, we're going for a walk. <laughs> um, so he's been, I, you know, my thing with him always is I constantly say to him, you can ask me anything. I'll talk about anything. Um, and I think he's sick of me saying that, but, uh, but, yeah, so he's he's been aware of everything. It's hard to know how much he's fully processed, but he's definitely aware of everything. How do you feel? Well, let me preface this by saying that I have a good friend who is part of a blended family. Mm -hmm. she, she's white. Her husband is black mm -hmm. and they have two interracial kids. Mm -hmm. And the older one 
uh, is 2021 and he's Mm -hmm. driving now. And so he has her number on speed dial and is required to call anytime that the red, the blue lights come on behind him. If he's had a traffic in because, and, and every time he leaves the house, she's scared to death. Yeah. something is going to happen to him i can't imagine living that way that yeah. that must be and i know that you're preparing for yeah. those days because he's not driving yet yeah but that them's them's days is coming pretty quick well i can tell you you know there's another episode that i describe in the book um i call it my walmart chapter but um an incident where around you know halloween time which <laughs> around now uh you know we went to Walmart and um, to buy a whole bunch of candy and stuff. And, um, and again, it was just me and my son. Uh, I'm white. He's black. You know, we certainly don't look like anything. And, uh, you know, I'm checking out buying everything. And when we're just about done, he sort of grabs a bag of Kit Kats and, and walks ahead of me, like opening them. And well, uh, because he's a little bit ahead of me and he's just like opening this bag and starting to eat it, he gets stopped by security and they say, you're stealing that. Um, and pretty swiftly, uh, you know, I don't know, like, I didn't even know this until I saw it. Like if, as you're leaving Walmart between the two, like the, like the doors that open and shut the, it looks like a wall, but it's a security center with a door that opens and they can pretty swiftly grab you and stick you in that door. And then you're gone. There's no window or anything. Grab my son, take him behind the door. And I'm like, what is going on? And the thing is, they don't realize I'm his mother. So. I'm like, where are you taking my son? And, and the woman who's still out with the walkie talkies, like, don't worry, you know, something happened. You can go home now. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> my son, what are you doing? Um, and it took like a few minutes to explain to this person that I paid for that. Here's the receipt. I am that person's mother. Give me my son. And so, you know, you, you mentioned like being on speed dial, you can be there <laughs> and not even be able to protect him. Um, and you have to convince people that you're his mother. And, and it's like, you know, it makes me crazy. Uh, and, you know, for those few minutes, he's behind that door, closed off in a security room, being accused of something he didn't do. I don't know what's ha- happening to him. Um, and uh, you read the book to find out more of what happens. But <laughs> <laughs> There's a teaser for you. Well, that's it. That's. That would be horrific. That would be a, you know, because when you think about it, we, a lot of us don't have to deal with any of that. Um, but it would be, it would be a really horrific thing to have to go through on a day-to-day basis. I want to talk to you too about uh, when you decided you were going to adopt and uh, tell us that story and, and also the foster care situation that you were in the, over a period of time that, uh, that before you were actually able to adopt him. So, um, so I'm not 100% sure what you're mean. the story about like why we adopted or once we were, once we were in there, like the whole checklist and all that other thing that they gave us. Oh, the checklist. And, and also that, that you were, became his foster parents. Yeah. And for yeah. a period of time. So, okay, so so let me a little bit back up until both. So one, let me just start by saying that uh, most people assume that uh, I adopted because of fertility issues, and that's actually not the case. Uh, my husband and I were a little bit on the fence of becoming parents at all. Um, and then a friend of mine, I was with some other women, and a woman was talking about foster care and fostering to adopt, and it was like a light went out. Like I didn't even 
think of it as an option. And another reason for writing this book is I feel like so many people, and, and you know, and there are a lot of infertility issues, but so many people don't even think about um, the foster system and all the kids that are there to adopt. And myself as well, the minute it's sort of like, became, I became aware of it. I mean, I guess it sounds silly that I hadn't even thought about it. Um, I was like, oh, I'm no longer on the fence. You know, if, if becoming a mother isn't just about like me and my life, it's also about the child, you know, I want to do this. And I came home and my husband was on board and we signed up. Now the foster system is again, I think different in every state. Um, in St. Louis, one of the first things that happens when you're first signing up and taking the classes, they give you this like two page long sheet with lots of different characteristics and you have to check mark like, yes, I'm willing to adopt it or no, I'm not willing to adopt. And um, and I tell you to please be honest, like you're not doing us or the child any favors if you just like for politically correct reasons say, you know, sure, give me anything. Um, and I will say that the, most of the things that you have to check or not check are, are medical conditions, you know, Down syndrome and autism and some other things like that. Uh, and I will admit I was very uh, hesitant about checking some of those. I was actually born very sick. I grew up in a hospital for a number of years. I have a little bit of PTSD. I sometimes get panic attacks when I go to a hospital. So I remember thinking, I don't know if I can be a good mother to somebody who's in the hospital all the time. So I agonized over those. But then when it came to the racial characteristics, I'm like, that's fine. I just checked all those. Like I can, you know, I can take anything. Um, and, you know, the foster system is about fostering initially. Like you can't go in and say, I want to adopt. I mean, you can do that, but they usually roll their eyes at you um, because as it should be, the primary goal of the foster system is reunification with birth families. So if they can't, if a child can't be reunified with the birth family, then they're open for adoption. But it is true. So I understand why not everybody adopts. So I, I feel like I want everybody to be aware of the option, but I understand why not everybody adopts to the foster system because it will probably take a little while. Um, adoption isn't the first goal. The first goal usually is you're a foster parent for at least usually about a year, year and a half. Um, and if reunification isn't possible for whatever reason, and there can be many reasons, then um, the child is open for adoption. And in this case, um, the birth parents or the birth mother um, is not capable or available or for whatever reason mm -hmm. and isn't capable. And is there a chance that she could come back at one point and say, yeah, I'm going back? So, so um, it's my understanding in the late 1990s, I think it's like around 1995, 1996, um, while it is per state, almost across the country, a lot of very important adoption laws were passed. So it used to be that before this, these laws were passed in most of the states in the late 1990s, um, a child in the foster system could really languish there because you're trying to reunify with a birth parents or mother or father. And so if they're starting to make progress, like getting a job or getting a safe home, then, then they get more time, but then maybe they can backtrack and something happens and they lose their job or, or you know, something else unfortunate. And then, you know, it's nothing. So there were stories of children who were never adopted and were being, you know, like, you know, for six, nine or more years in this sort of limbo. And they, people realize it's just really not healthy for them. Um, so Missouri, as well as and again, I'm not an expert in like the legal or anything, but it's my understanding many, many states in the late 1990s passed a law that makes it so children can't be in limbo forever. And in Missouri, which I know a little more about, it's 15 months. So birth parents get 15 months. If after 15 months, they have not made adequate progress to show uh, that there's good reason to reunify with their children, 
um, then time's up and, and it's, they have a terminational parental rights. Now, hopefully it doesn't have to get there. Uh, again, I don't want to talk about what happened with us because that's my son's story, but um, in Missouri, it's usually about 15 months that there's termination of parental rights if there hasn't been reunification and then you get to adopt. Now you've been in the, the, the uh, foster care system and you've, you've adopted your son mm -hmm. and things have changed this year in, in many states around the country where uh, abortion is no longer legal. And, and so do you think um, from your experience that there will be more children to adopt or the pool is going to grow because uh, more, more babies are going to come to term? Um, I mean, that's a very interesting question. Uh, I mean, and I don't know if anybody has the answer yeah. to it right now, but I mean, I guess I, I mean, I imagine some, you know, you, you would like to think that, uh, you know, there's some states where it's still legal, there's, you know, over the counter medicine, but, you know, get other options. It's just been made more difficult. And whenever there's I, back to my economist, whenever there's a transaction cost, right, or a, a <laughs> sand in the gear, a difficulty, then uh, it's going to, you know, affect the outcome. So I think no matter what, yes, probably the answer to your question is yes, for sure. And, uh, and probably there'll be more children, especially to um, lower income, you know, women who can't make the trips out to other states and whatnot. And so, um, yeah, it's probably good. There's probably going to be more. Yeah. So this is this that's one of the the reason I bring that up is your book is very timely um, because um, if there are more you know, lower income and and lower income can be white or black mm -hmm. but in a lot of cases it's it's black women um, mm -hmm. and they can't get out and so they bring a baby to term but can't take care of it properly then there's the, the real possibility that it's going to be there for adoption so yeah. so for people to understand what it's like to uh, and some of the pitfalls of raising an African-American child, it's, it really is a good idea. Yeah, and again, yeah, pitfalls, and let me also say joys. I mean, there's both that come, you know, but let, I, yeah, I do wanna say, I'm glad you brought this up. Um, and especially, you know, you mentioned my previous book, The Other Shakespeare, which imagines, you know, what would have happened if Shakespeare had been born a woman. I will tell you, while I like that book and it got good reviews, it is depressing <laughs> because you can't, if there's not a really a good outcome to a woman trying to like do her own thing in 1500s London. So buy it if you want. I will tell you, it doesn't end all that happily. Now, having said that, Seeking Forgiveness, this book, you know, one of the things that I, I like about it is I think it is very gut-wrenching. It's very emotional. There's definitely highs and lows and shockers in the book. But I will say that I believe it ends on a hopeful note. Um, I believe it ends on the strength, you know, it's again, from the mother's perspective, I feel like the, the, the main thing is it's about motherhood and it's about the love of a mother for her son, how strong that bond can be and how it can get a family through almost anything. That, that is incredible. And by the way, your first book, The Other Shakespeare, did you know, Nathan, that, you know, women have moved from where they were then, but did you know, Nathan, that in the 1500s, if you were in a play and you played a woman, you were a man? Yeah, men got to kiss each other. <laughs> he doesn't want to answer that. <laughs> Look it up. Women were not allowed to be on stage during Shakespeare's time. Uh, so they had men that played the parts of women. He's now 
he's feverishly googling it because <laughs> he wants he wants to make sure that I'm being accurate. Here. Well, and just think if they didn't if they didn't let women play the parts, they definitely didn't let women write the plays. And in my book, I'm trying to have her write the plays and come up with the stories. And of course, they're like, "That's interesting, nice lady. Do you want to just sleep with me instead?" <laughs> That's, and get, and be a director or be a writer and right. and to put it all together women were not allowed to do any of that stuff and of course it's been a hundred years now since you got the right to vote thank goodness that mm -hmm. you did and mm -hmm. uh and and stuff so we, you've improved over time and that was my point is you've it's gotten better over time but it ain't where it needs to be yet yeah yeah, and I'm realizing there's a theme to my books who knows what my next one will be that it, it is about trying to break down barriers and hopefully you know see how we can make the world a little bit of a better place and but not you know shying away from how difficult some things are still you yes. know and and that the interracial thing and and with especially especially black young men uh yeah. it it is it is very difficult right now because they are stereotyped in a certain way even mm -hmm. if even if they are um intelligent and uh can can speak well and yeah. and can act appropriately and they're not they're not off the rails because yeah. uh, you can be black or white and be off the rails but if you but i mean yeah and i can tell you i can tell you stories i mean again i got you know more and more fun stories i mean my son went through a phase when he was about 10 or 11 where um anytime i asked him to do his homework his response to me was you don't know what it's like to be black <laughs> and i would say <laughs> I would say, baby, you are right. I have no idea what it's like to be back, but you still have to do your homework. <laughs> <laughs> but it was weird how, and it's the first, you know, in the first, it's funny because I was, I was waiting for the time when he said to me, you're not my real mother, because all adoptive mothers wait for that moment. You know, that's going to happen. Right. And what, and so that one I was like ready for, I wasn't ready for the, you don't know what it's like to be black mom. Um, said, and, and again, and he almost would say it with a joke because he knew he was saying it just to try to get out of things. And so, you know, I think my response was, yes, you are right. I don't, but you know, brush your teeth. It's time for bed. <laughs> like, so, you know, he, it, I, eventually this phase stopped. He doesn't do it anymore, but, uh, I guess the point is, yeah, you never, you got, you, you have to figure out how to be okay with different outbursts. You know, all kids are going to have outbursts and all kids are going to say different things. And, uh, and it can be uh, unnerving, but hilarious too. Uh, you know, it's motherhood. This is motherhood. And it's a beautiful thing that you're, that you're doing. And, um, and the book seeking forgiveness is coming out in the middle of August, October mm -hmm. and, uh, go pick it up. And, and it can, it can really be a blueprint for you to come up with an idea of, uh, what's, what it's like. And uh, do you still do you feel like now after after this many years that you've kind of got it figured out and got it all together and and you're you're good to go or do you still have more to learn? That's a good question. Yeah, I would say, oh, I so don't know what I'm doing still on some levels. <laughs> I mean, I will say like um, and I've said this before, I think personally, the hardest thing about motherhood is you genuinely really never know if you're doing it right. So, you know, like I said earlier, I got him a phone, when he was 12. He was the last kid of his friend. Most of his friends got their phones at 10. I didn't, I had no idea what was the right age. There's no like guidebook or, you know, you can look up on page 12 of, you know, some index, like when to give a kid his phone or, you know, what do you do the first time he steals a pack of gum from the gas station? I mean, I did that as a kid in all honesty, I stole packs of gum from the gas station, but what do you, 
how do you respond to that? And, you know, what do you do when your kid says to you, I hate my life? Like, there's no good answer. Like, you can hope you do the right thing. You know, how do you choose what school to go to? We talked about schooling. Like, as a mother, I've agonized over these things and, and dealt with them. And I think the hardest part is that you simply never know if you actually did it right or not. And you never will know. And uh, you can only do, and that's why, you know, the book is titled Seeking Forgiveness because the mother tries her best. Uh, she makes mistakes and is always learning to answer your question. Um, and you just got to cross your fingers and hope their therapy bill isn't too high when they get older. <laughs> Well, we, we, quite frankly, we all need therapy when we get, when we get there. <laughs> I know. Um, but, but it's a, it's, it's amazing that you're doing as well as you are. And I can tell by just talking with you that you're, you're, your heart's in the right place. You're a hell of a mother. Um, and you're working every day. I, I but it, it kind of, I thought it was kind of funny when he was saying, you don't know what it's like to be black. He was actually beginning to use that against you yeah. when you were telling him to go do his homework and stuff. Yeah. Well, I think he did, he did, he did do the, you're not my real mother, but you know, he only did that once. Cause again, I was like, and I think I even said, I'm like, oh, I've been waiting for you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it took longer than I thought. I was like, you're right. I'm not. Now, what do you want for dinner? It was again over something, you know, really minor. And, and because I didn't take it in a devastating manner, like, you know, oh, but I try, or I am your, you know, like, uh, he realized that one, he could, he can bring these things up and talk to them and joke with me about them or just bring them up. And I'm willing to hear them without yelling at him or, you know, being devastating. Uh, but, uh, I have to say it neutralizes it too. When, when you just agree with them, you're like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, but I am here and I love you. And you need to tell me if you want macaroni and cheese or fish sticks. So what is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, to, to raise children, I I'm done with mine and I forgot more about raising them than, than you're bringing me back to, to a bunch yeah. of stuff when you have a, um, a, yeah. um, a child in, in stuff, it makes it really, it can yeah. be really challenging and you're right. If it's your first one, yeah, you don't know if it's your second one, you think, you know, and if yeah. you're the third one, you really don't care. Um, so I fell into the, <laughs> that's what I've heard. <laughs> I fell into the third one category. So by the time I got there, they were like, oh, you fell and hit your head. Oh, shut up and get up. Right. You're fine. <laughs> I'm bleeding though, but nah, you're fine. Oh, too funny. Too funny. You know, but that's, but, and you're the first one. It's everything's brand new and it's, yeah. it's different and it's real and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm trying, I'm always trying to do my best. You know, I will say one of the other things is I've learned that, you know, you try to correct the things that were, happened wrong. And when you were a child, you're like, I'm going to do that better. And what I've learned is that what were your issues are not your child's issues. So like I had a single working mom, she would always like forget to pick me up. Like I can, I have memories of being in the old days, if you were late being picked up from like aftercare they kicked you out you sat on the curb and like watched the cars go by and i i visually remember watching the cars go by wondering if my mother would ever pick me up so i remember saying i will never my kid will never be the last one to be picked up anywhere so when he started aftercare i'd get there like an hour early i'd show up and he'd be like oh, mom i'm not done playing with legos can you leave and come back and, I, and, and, I, and he literally my son's a very again i think i said he's an extrovert it took me a few months to realize he wants to be the last kid there. <laughs> like it dawned on me that like my issues are not his issues and he probably has issues and there are probably things I'm doing wrong, but I don't know what they are because they're not mine. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, well, he, he was having a great time. And by the way, if you're the last one there, you get your pick of any toy you want. Yeah. And you get to apparently what I didn't realize is you get to take your Lego builds and like hide them until the next. So because if you leave and you left, leave your little Lego building or whatever, other kids will come and take apart what you build and use those bricks. But if you're the last one, you can like take your bricks and like put it on a shelf so that when you get there the next day, nobody's taken apart what you've built. That's pretty smart. Yeah. You know, kids are kids are pretty smart these days. So they so. are. Congratulations. And, 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 and by the way, we haven't talked much about your husband, but he is on board with all this and, and, and he's a great yeah. father to, to as well, I would assume. Yeah. For all I know, he is listening right now. I did give him the link. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Hi, Dad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is, I do have the kind of husband who pretty much just lets me make a lot of the major decisions, but he's a happy, happy wife, happy life is what he says. So he's, he's a good guy. And exactly right. And my motto always was apparently it didn't work out all that well because we're no longer together. But if you uh, um, do what you're told, sometimes you get to do what you want. Ooh, I like that. I figured you would. <laughs> I'm going to have to say that back to him. I got to run that. That's good. <laughs> yes, if you, if you, yes, indeed. So, by the way, we've just got a couple of minutes left, and I would like you to take uh, the time we have left and uh, talk to our audience about anything that you would like them to know. Yeah, well, so I would say that, um, you know, if you've got uh, any interest in the books or any questions about interracial adoption or want to see any of my other writings, I may have a blog, I have writing projects. Again, my website's the best place to go to find the books and then the links to buy them and other things. So again, it's www.layerachel.com and that's one word, L-E-A-R-A-C-H-E-L. And I have to say, like, I'm, um, you know, I'm, willing also even just answer questions so you know this past mother's day i wrote a piece that got published in some local newspapers in st louis about interracial adoption and i got some emails i got handwritten letters from people mostly from other interracial families saying oh my god thank you somebody's finally writing about what it's actually like like not i mean i had one woman who said i've been you know for 50 years i have an interracial family i've never seen a newspaper article where people actually talk about what it's like so um, my larger point is you can feel free to contact me. Um, Leah at LeahRachel.com is my email. If anybody has questions about interracial adoption or anything, um, hopefully no hate mail, but send it along. Right? I'm open for anything. Uh, but LeahRachel.com, www.LeahRachel.com. You haven't got any hate mail about this, have No, you? not yet. <laughs> well, if... Send it, forward it to me if you get any hate mail. I'll deal with it. I'll, I'll deal with them. That, that's just not. That's just not appropriate. And uh, it's it's been great having you here. And uh, you. I really appreciate it. And it, it's such a timely issue, because well, I go ahead. Well, I mean, thank you for having me. Like I, I do think it's something that people are very curious about, um, and and have questions and sometimes are sometimes are afraid to ask, sometimes aren't. So thank you for having the topic and the book seeking forgiveness on your show because i do think people are very curious so hopefully this will help answer a lot of questions people have i just can't imagine having <laughs> when you went to the dentist and they said where's your papers i you, you thought you were in east germany or something well you know? I, like i tell people what are there like white women around st louis stealing young black children and taking them for free <laughs> dental care i mean it's the dumbest thing i've ever heard like i reported them to the missouri dental board to end that story but it didn't go anywhere 
Oh, uh, well, that's that's life. We've been again talking about uh, uh, racial uh, um, um, adoption and Leah Rachel get the book Seeking Forgiveness. And I want to thank everybody for being here. We're going to be back at 9 a.m. on Monday. And please be kind to one another because each other's all we got. <laughs> <laughs>